Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake Jabarelli, and John is again out. I'm sure having fun. Wherever he is, he's doing something fun. He sent me a picture earlier. Won't put it up on screen. I'm sure it's personal, private, but it looks like fun, nevertheless. Today is January the 29th of... That's the 29th of January, actually, uh, 2023. It's also Sunday night, so we've got two particular This Week in Coins and This Week in Crypto Twitter to get to. So let's just get to the news. You guys have seen this all before. This Week in Crypto Twitter, Binance faces more insider trading allegations. Crypto Twitter, crypto <laughs> this week was a mixed bag. After three weeks of consecutive growth, the fourth week of 2023 saw Bitcoin prices virtually unchanged since last weekend. And while Ethereum depreciated a little, several altcoins like Aptos, or APT, Axie Infinity, AXS, and Avalanche, AVAX, managed sizable rallies. On Monday, Connor Grogan, a director at Coinbase, alleged, alleged that there has been some pretty obvious insider trading at Binance in the last 18 months. This is not the first time such allocations have been made. Here is his tweet, which I will read shortly here. It appears that there's a pattern of Binance fronting, front-running over the last 18-plus months. And he gives a little bit of proof with these photos, or screenshots, rather. Researchers on the crypto financial services platform Matrix Port last weekend said that the end of the first day of Chinese New Year is an optimal time to open up long positions in crypto because based on the last eight years, selling 10 days later nets an average profit of 9%. Their findings were shared widely on Monday. So yes, if you want to make money, Right after Chinese New Year. On Tuesday, Crypto Whale News account, that is Unusual Whales, announced the latest assets to be seized by authorities in the ongoing investigation into the now bankrupt FTX exchanges. It's disgraced former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, and we all thought he was down to his last 100K. <laughs> Here's the breaking Prosecutors have seized $50 million from Sam Bankman-Fried's account in the Tyner Rural Washington State Bank of Farmington State Bank, where last year he purchased a $11 million stake in the bank itself. I guess he doesn't have a little bit more money than he says he does. That day, El Salvador's Bitcoin-obsessed authoritarian president, Nayib Bukele, posted a multi-thread string of hit pieces criticizing his decision to coerce his country into accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. In his thread, he wants everyone to know that El Salvador is doing just fine. That day, the government paid out an $800 million bond that had matured. Crypto lender Genesis claims it owed it's, it is owed $21 million. We talked about this last Wednesday. By one Roger Ver, also known as Bitcoin Jesus. Roger has other ideas and responded to Genesis needs to be solvent before it fulfills his obligations as alleged stipulated in their contract. Allegedly stipulated. In any case, there's a lawsuit going on. Republican U.S. Representative Bill Huizenga, Huizenga in, on Tuesday had some sharp words for the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, a regulator which has redoubled its efforts to control the crypto industry after a, the spate of recent bankruptcies like FTX. And I'm going to read Huang Zega's uh, 
comment. I 100% agree with Hester Pierce and Phil Graham on this. The SEC Gov has taken on the role of telling companies how to run themselves and investors how to invest. I'll lead the R's response to Gary Gensler's incessant desire to exceed his authority. There's a little picture here. Wall Street Journal. Also that day, Twitter user Paul at Darkport found a fascinating get-out clause buried in the legal bump of Porsche's NFT minting page. According to Paul, a clause that op- that like like this opens up discussions about the refundability of NFTs, discussions that regulators, no doubt, would like to hear more of. I'm going to read a little bit of that. So something caught my eye in the Porsche NFT Mint page that might just change the entire game for everyone. Yeah, this is going to suck for people who aren't following through on their perfect legalese. Twitter and you know, Twitter user at Degentraland, D- <laughs> who regularly tweets about NFTs, on Wednesday posted hefty stats from the launch of the Google Labs new Board Ape Yacht Club inspired crypto integrated arcade game Dookie Dash. <laughs> And I will read that briefly here. Dookie Dash players have spent uh, three quarters of a million dollars on in-game boosts in one week. There are 30,000 max sewer pass holders. Average spend $25 per user, $100 monthly. Estimated monthly active revenue per paying user on Fortnite was only $27 in 2020. Come on, you labs. <laughs> Robin Hood's official Twitter account was hacked midweek. Luckily, it was an obvious hack. Binance CEO CZ helped raise the alarm. Crypto analyst Adam Cochran got offended when Michael's, pardon me, McDonald's official account appropriated some hip crypto speak. Here's a comment therein. All right, pack it in. We're done. Just shut crypto down and forget it ever happened because McDonald's sure as isn't tweeting wag me at the bottom. On Thursday, crypto user Autism Capital, who regularly rants on industry news stories, posted a comprehensive list of FTX creditors, and it is big. Apparently, there's 116 FTX creditors. Yeah. The full 116-page unredacted FTX creditor list has been released. Uh, The document 574 found here. If you'd like to look through it, oh my goodness, there's a lot. And on that note, news also emerged this week that FTX exists were throwing their capital behind disgraced New York Congressman Republican George Soros. Don't you mean George Santos? <laughs> Who is currently on the wrong end of the Department of Justice criminal probe for allegedly being a compulsive scammer and certainly a liar. Sam Adams makes his comment. Finally, one of the Board Ape Yacht Club founders had a somber announcement to make on Saturday and will be taking time off from the space. Here's Gordon Goner ETH. Some heavy news. A few days ago, I was told by my doctor I have congested heart failure. Symptoms started last year out of the blue, and I've been put off seeking help like an idiot so I could keep working. But after testing, my doctor called and asked me to radically change my life. <laughs> oh, that sucks. All right, so moving on to this week in coins. 
Ethereum drops as Aptos, Axie, and Avalanche see big gains, as was mentioned in the previous article. Bitcoin and Ethereum dipped on Friday, dashing hopes for the crypto market's fourth consecutive week of market-wide gains, but the coins are still off to a much better year in 2023 than they had in 2022. And with that, I definitely agree, because we had a crash at the end of 2021, which led to 2022's pretty much down all around. As of Saturday morning, according to CoinGecko's price data, Bitcoin is flat over the past seven days and currently trades around 23000 Researchers this week said that the end of the first day of Chinese New Year is an optimal time to open up long positions in crypto because of the last eight years, selling 10 days later nets an average profit of roughly 10%. Ethereum is down 5.2% uh, this week, trading around 1570 Ethereum developers announced on Tuesday that they made important progress towards the network's next scheduled upgrade, the much-anticipated Shanghai upgrade, Shanghai will let stakers finally withdraw their ETH. You need to stake 32 ETH, or about $51,000 at current time, uh, to start mining Ethereum. That is proof-of-stake mining. And any rewards that have accrued so far. Of course, if you invested in Coinbase, as an example, or other such smaller wallets, if you didn't put in $50,000 to get one node, you were probably sharing, but at that point, you'll still be able to recruit, re yourself from the blockchain. Other names saw healthy gains. Aptos enjoyed a blistering rally of 56% and currently trades at $17, a little over $17. The token has been rallying all, uh, rallying hard all this week. It's difficult to pinpoint just one reason, but a large part of the trading volume came from arbitrage trading in South Korea, where crypto is often priced at as much as 50 cents higher on some exchanges. Discrepancy has already been dubbed the kimchi premium when it comes to Bitcoin and can be exploited by savvy traders to turn small profits. Kimchi premium is how Sam Bankman-Fried got started in crypto trading, just so you know. The Aptos later, uh, when Aptos launched late last year, it crashed 40% and the project was widely panned for launching with obscure tokenomics, large token allocations of 50% for developers and private investors, and for promising speeds of up to 120,000 transactions, uh, transactions per second, or TPS, but only managing four. That's a pretty big discrepancy. Axie Infinity, the native token for the eponymous blockchain-based video game, blew up 25% this week and gained 22% uh, on Monday alone after the token unlocked, uh, released 2% of the game's total supply onto the market. Currently at 11.44. Other notable rallies by leading cryptocurrencies this week included Avalanche, which blew about 16% to slightly over $20, OKB, which rose 13% to slightly over $38, and Polygon up 8.5% to slightly over $1. Crypto on regulatory agenda. This week, regula regulators in the U.S. and Europe signal that they are continuing to keep cryptocurrency on their to-do list. On Monday, the New York Department of Financial Services published a new set of guidelines advising crypto companies on storage, use, and other responsible and compliance-friendly practices when holding digital assets for clients. On Tuesday, European Union lawmakers passed requirements for banks to disclose if they are dealing with cryptocurrencies. The proposals also allegedly include requiring crypto-friendly banks to hold more capital and other to offset potential crypto losses. However, the regulatory package still needs to be approved by the EU finance ministers and European Parliament. 
On Thursday, French regulators softened their approach to crypto licensing in the country and voted through an amendment, allowing crypto companies to continue operating without a license until the European Union's landmark crypto regulations are brought into force. The BLOC, BLOC, Landmark Markets in Crypto Assets, or the MICA bill, is a unifying regulatory framework that, if passed, will be applied to crypto across the Union. Voting will happen in April, and if passed, the rules will take another 18 months to be enforced. Finally, crypto-friendly Republican Senator Ted Cruz, really, I didn't know that, continued to push to get Bitcoin on Capitol Hill. Again, I didn't know that. I follow this guy all the time. Not because I want to. On Wednesday, he issued a directive encouraging operator operations managers at the House of Representatives and the Senate to work with people that accept crypto. Cruz's proposal envisions vending machines and gift shops as places for crypto-savvy Washington, D.C. folk to spend their hard-earned Bitcoin. All right, I, I don't believe any of that, but I should probably go read up on it. Let's move on to some very interesting news. Um, I'm actually very much in favor of this because it's something that John and I have been trying to do, not explicitly Spatial Labs, but nevertheless, backed by Jay-Z's Web3 hardware startup, Spatial Labs, raises $10 million. And that is just the tip of the iceberg, as it were. Founder Idris Sandu uh, opened up his crypto hardware play and brainstorming with his big brother, celebrity investor Jay-Z. So why is this so important? I mean, in particular, this is something that I personally am interested in, in seeing a thing come to market. It is so great to see Sandu actually doing this. So they have this 13 millimeter chip, which is what? One point, is that 13 millimeters? So it's like 1.3 centimeters, relatively small. I mean, that's, that's less than half an inch uh, for any Americans who don't know what millimeters are. <laughs> um, this called this LNQ1 chip. And it could be sewn or embedded into any physical fashion items. I mean, technically, it could be sewn into anything it could be sewn into. But, and I'm not talking about flesh. I'm talking about clothing. Uh, but using NFC on the clothing, it could be connected to an NFT or some other metaverse thing. In particular, the fact that you could actually be uh, wearing the item and then see your avatar in the metaverse with the same item on. For me, this is the, the advantage, the huge advantage of this is that then, to some degree, obviously, if people don't physically modify the clothing, that the clothing itself can now be NFT'd. That is, you can have unique clothing. You think about how Supreme operates, right? Supreme has, makes all these unique one-offs, or not one-offs, but very limited-run things. And then, of course, those things can be resold. But how do you know it's official? Well, you know it's official with something like this L&Q one chip. And that the thing is actually sewn into the clothing or is part of the clothing, and then you know that that explicit thing is tied explicitly to something on the blockchain. Now, does that mean that people are going to keep their clothing longer? That's the hope. And in particular, the way Sandu puts it is that he's expecting this to be you know, run with things like Gucci and Balmain and Prada, basically high-end products. Uh, the, things, the kind of things you'd think you'd want to be keeping on you for a really long time. I'm thinking in particular watches, but let's say it was a bag, or let's say it was shoes, let's say it was a really, really nice sport coat or leather jacket. You're going to keep that for a while, and the hope or expectation, let me think about it this way. If it was something that some wealthy, uh, rich person owned, like let's say Justin Bieber as an example, since he's 
a person who's bought a Board Ape Yacht Club uh, NFT, let's say he bought one of these things, and you, you know it would be unique. Maybe he bought 10 of them, but let's say it was his favorite sport, sport coat or jacket that he liked wearing, and he just happened to decide to give it to a friend, and that friend decided to sell it on the market. You'd know it was authentic because it actually had the embedded chip. And of course, would it be possible for a person to take the chip out and, and resew something? Yes, it would absolutely be possible, but it would then at that point change the clothing. I mean, can you make a piece of clothing look completely like it did before? Yeah, it's probably possible, but if you tear something, you get something out of it after it's been sewn in, it's going to be hard to make it look original. You know, a tear in, in clothing is it's to be tricky. Not impossible, but tricky. Um, there's going to be some show for the fact that something was changed. So I really appreciate the fact that Sandu really kind of got on board with this idea. And I'm 100% certain there's going to be people following suit as soon as they realize the value in this concept. So I'm all for the fact that Jay-Z is willing to produce. It's also really important to make a point that at the end of this article, Sandu says, as much as he's into the Silicon Valley stuff, it's the culture of his of what he does and how he what his background and the things he comes from that Silicon Valley investors just really aren't into, and it took a visionary like Jay Z to really help this kid out. So I'm so grateful that they're having this this come, and I'm going to be following this story. You'll be seeing more of this in our news in the future. So moving on to something a little bit less negative. I want to get that Jay Z Sandy article out there about uh, LNQ because it's it's positive, it's helpful, it's good, it's upbeat. This isn't so much a beat, although it is kind of nice to see that this thief <laughs> uh, is somehow being found. Okay, so OneCoin founder Ruya, Ruja, Ruja Ignatova resurfaces after five years in hiding. Now, she didn't personally resurface so much as she kind of coincidentally resurfaced. So the so-called crypto queen turned up in British government filing, <laughs> though some say the connection is tenuous. Could just be a lie, right? Well, apparently, she bought a very expensive house in 2016, and it looks like the house was recently put up for sale. A price of $15.5 million, which was later reduced to $13.6. Ignatova was reportedly forced to step forward as its owner due to the rules involving overseas companies that took effect in the UK last year. The disclosure states that Ignatova, who owned the house uh, through Abbott's Penthouse Limited since 2016. So, what is it that, uh, you know, is she really showing up? I guess if she wants to uh, to sell this house, she's, she's going to have to uh, step forward physically. And I don't think she's going to do that. I think she's probably going to forgo the measly $15.5 million for this house because as far as we know, she raked in way more amount of money than that. Unless she's living on the lamb and having to pay whomever she's staying with right now an immense amount of money just to keep from going to prison. I think when it comes right down to it, most people would pay all the money just to not have to go to prison. <laughs> so so she may have reappeared due to this. But it's more like she just reappeared in the news. It's not so much that she personally reappeared. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, if you guys don't already know what one coin is, I'm not going to go into the details. The article is linked down below. All right. Uh, next article, FTX executives maxed out donations to Rep. George Santos. As we mentioned in the This Week in Crypto Twitter, um, the maximum, uh, I believe, that you can donate to a congressperson is $5,500, which isn't really a whole lot of money. But it makes you wonder, why did FTX execs 
max out the rep, you know, max out the spend at all? Was it because they were just trying to spend a lot on a whole bunch of different reps that they thought were going to give them, you know, lip service or service to their company? I think it had more to do with that. The highest maximum donation is, and especially if it comes from multiple people working at the same company, that basically means the company is spending more money. Um, and in that sense, so they, they say like every single person at FDX spent $5,500 on uh, George Santos, possibly. <laughs> uh, Ryan Salome, FDX's CEO, Claire Wantanabe, a former FDX senior executive, and uh, Ranmik Aurora, the head of the company's ex-head of product, all donated the maximum possible amount to Santos's campaign. So why did they do that? And that's not really said in the article per se, but it seems like uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was one of those people who used a good chunk of the money that he used. <laughs> I'm not saying it was money. It was his money at all, but money from the company to make a lot of Washington people look his direction, to put it in the most blunt way I can. He spent an immense amount of money. We already know he donated roughly, was it $37 million in total to all parties involved, whether it was uh, Republicans or Democrats. It does seem like he spent about the same amount of money on, of money on both, you know, equally, roughly equally. But as he said in some announcement sometime back, he secretly spent the money on Republicans and publicly spent the money on Democrats because it's just more politically viable that way. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, George Santos receiving a lot of money for why, right? Well, I think it's because he promised to help FTX in some indirect or direct way, and that was the reason it was enthusiastically encouraging for uh, FTX to spend as much as they did on um, Santos's campaign. And, the, of course, the problem really is, and the reason that Santos is even in the news is because Santos is unfortunately a liar. At least it's been shown that he is a compulsive and prolific liar and that uh, it makes you wonder why they spent any money but, but he probably didn't really know that he was lying even though it, it has come out as of late that some people had already proved a lot of the things he said were false but when it comes to politicians a lot of people just like well they're just liars that's just what they do <laughs> why why do we elect people who lie <laughs> anyways uh, a little bit more political news or you know u.s government news SEC Chair Gary Gensler says there are three ways to tell if a crypto project is a scam. And I'm just going to get straight to that because there's no point in beating about the bush. He, he lays it right out. One, the crypto project can't provide clear documentation regarding how it works or how it plans to deliver on its goals. Doesn't that sound like almost every single project you've ever heard of? <laughs> Two, the project can't demonstrate that it is in regulatory compliance. I would say that's probably most of them, sadly. I'm not saying every single one is. Uh, and three, the project can't easily explain what it is at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the way he's defining with these three uh, rules is kind of just anything that's a scam and not necessarily a crypto project is a scam. But yeah, uh, if the project is really vague, like, well, we exist and you should invest in us. Yeah, it's probably a scam. Or if it's just hype, like it's, uh, what was it, uh, Squid coin, which was all hype. Uh, there was nothing there. It was all hype in the beginning. And I really feel sad for the people who got rug pulled on, on Squid coin. But, yeah, these three rules are pretty much the rules for any scam. And I don't know if he, if he meant to be 
super vague in the way that he describes this, or is it just that that's a way that you can give it to a particular project that happens to be crypto-based? So, um, yeah, thanks, Uncle Gary. Thanks for giving us these almost obvious statements. Um, there's not really much more I can say on that. So... With that, there is not much more to say about this episode this week. We appreciate you, everyone listening in. Of course, I would like to make mention that we have this coin tree. And hey, if you want to get your own coin tree, they're free. Just like uh, Linktree. Uh, I don't even know if there's a paid method for coin tree right now. But it's primarily for crypto people. You can obviously donate here if you like. And we have two asset aware addresses for Raven and Eve Evermore. Uh, you can also check out all of our social media at the very bottom. And then we made this other page here to just help people be able to book events. Just so you guys know, coming up in February, which is just around the corner. I mean, technically, this is Sunday when I'm broadcasting, which means it's got to be this week. This week, we're going to be having our first um, interview with our guest. And then every single week following through all of February, we're going to have more guests on. So be sure to check out those videos when they come out or audios when you wherever you pick up our podcast. We appreciate it. As I say, at the end of every single show, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Stack sats and hodl. Adios.